0: Stu Does America.
1: Get your Stu Does America merch right now. DoesMerch.com. We've got the Bidenomics Strikes Back. Anyone but Biden, 2024. All your favorites and all the good ones, of course, at uh, StuDoesMerch.com. Promo code Stu10. You'll save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel, uh, like all of our videos, hit the bell for reminders, all the things, you know, podcasters tell you to do. Dan Andros is here to talk about the media's massive failures on Israel. We'll go over a few new polls that probably have Donald Trump very happy uh, today. But we start by doing Johnson derangement syndrome. Speaker Johnson, yes, he's been in the job for like two days and already he's the worst person in the universe because that's how our media does this. Every single time it's the same story. And of course, you know, look, we don't know if this guy's going to be a good speaker or not. He hasn't done anything yet. He just started. But already the media has completely made their mind up on this guy. And it's kind of fascinating to watch especially when he's announcing some things that I think a lot of America really wants. Uh, let's start with some of the good things he's doing right off the bat. A U.S. House Speaker plans vote this week on a standalone Israel aid bill. Most people want to make sure that Israel uh, is helped in this uh, whole situation going on in the Middle East. We'll get into that in a little bit with, with Dan Andros. But uh, generally speaking, there's a high level of support and people don't want it tied together. They don't want it to be contingent on our support for another country or another policy or whatever. I just want to make this clean, and that's one of the first things he's doing. Uh, Now, part of the reason why there's opposition, of course, to Speaker Johnson is because, you know, look, he's going to go after Joe Biden. And, you know, uh, the media doesn't like that. They love Joe Biden, of course, uh, or at least they can tolerate Joe Biden for at least, I don't know, until November 2024. Um, Here he is talking about uh, what he is going to be doing pretty soon when it
0: comes to the Hunter Biden investigation. Are you expecting to subpoena Hunter Biden? Um, I'm I'm looking at that. I I think that uh, desperate times call for desperate measures and that perhaps is is overdue. We've not made a full decision yet. I'm I'm, uh, counseling with the uh, attorneys involved on all of this to see what the contours of. I'm I'm an attorney myself, so I speak the language. Um, We're trying to move forward on some of this very aggressively. I think the American people are owed these answers and I think, suspicions about all this Um, the evidence that we've gathered so far as you as you as you know uh is is affirming what many of us feared may be the worst and you know as jamie comer likes to say bank records don't lie we already have a lot of this evidence the dots are being connected and we'll see where it leads Mm. Uh,
1: he he also i mean look there's no surprise here which side the uh, republican party feels like this might turn out he says uh he thinks biden very likely committed impeachable offenses, which is, you know, again, not a surprise, but it's good to see. He also is going to uh, affirm the U.S. as a beacon of liberty during his first international speech. Now, that might not do anything, but certainly doesn't make any of anyone in the media happy? They don't like hearing things like that for whatever reason. They don't have that same opinion as America as a good influence on the world rather than a negative one. They only see the warts and the scars. And look, there are some and things have not been perfect here by any means. Uh, but still, overall, when you compare it to everywhere else on Earth, I think we show up pretty pretty well in that in that uh, in that count. Um, Also, uh, Mike Johnson is going to look at a debt commission, and this would be something that would be positive. I will say the Republican Party largely has forgotten about debt, that it's a problem. Uh, You know, famously, uh, Donald Trump said he was the king of debt, uh, and we have, become a kingdom of debt, Uh, not just because of Trump, but because of both sides, honestly. Hopefully they're taking this seriously. A debt commission would be a good idea, whether a commission actually leads to something, of course, you can fairly be highly skeptical of, but the left is looking at this as an opportunity, right? Kevin McCarthy, for all that it was good about him, and what was bad about him, was sort of a non-entity in American politics. For a guy who had as prominent a role as Speaker of the House, He was sort of seen as a guy who just tried to manage the caucus. He tried to manage the conference and say, okay, well, we've got the right, we've got the left here. Let's try to get them together so we can get votes across the line. He was seen as a dealmaker. And for that reason, it was hard to vilify him as this ideological monster, even though they tried it with him too. They'll try it with anyone else who gets that role. That's just the way this works. Um, But, you know, this is kind of the path that they're going down, and there's a reason they're doing this. There's a very specific reason for this, and I'll get it in a second. Let me set the stage for you here. First of all, they're going after his religion. This is a big part of the attack on Johnson. Christian conservatives cheer, one of their own, as Mike Johnson assumes Congress' most powerful seat. Okay, he's a religious guy. Christians are a fan of him. That's not too bad. It keeps going, though. Mike Johnson conducted seminars promoting the U.S., as a Christian nation. Now, if you followed politics at all over the years, you know this is a very standard left-wing attack, right? If someone says we were founded on Christian, uh, Judeo-Christian values, a uh, very sensible thing that was uh, very much reflected in our founding documents, one of the first things Congress did immediately after the, f- the formation of the country was do a, a, pr- a congressional prayer. Like, religion was not something these guys shied away from, um, but you know, you're supposed to now deny that that's actually the history here. That doesn't mean that other faiths, of course, can't come here. They do whatever they want. They can support whoever they want. That's the way the country works. But clearly, Judeo-Christian foundations were the what kind of fueled the initial founding of the country. Uh, Mike Johnson's old-time religion, says New York Magazine, apparently doesn't believe all the newfangled things that you're supposed to believe about your faith. For Mike Johnson, religion is at the forefront of politics and policy. This is a weird attack. I mean, look, you shouldn't be like uh, going into church with a list of policies and asking, telling your pastor, will you sign the ones I'm supposed to sign? No one does that. No one believes that's the right answer here. Of course, having a biblical worldview is very standard for a conservative Christian. That is kind of the thing. You're not supposed to just stop your religion at the gates of Congress. Like, that's not how that's supposed to work. The left, of course, only recognizes that with people on the right. And listen to the quotes from Nancy Pelosi, who says that not only does religion guide her, it's her—it's the main influence in the way she makes decisions. Now, you can appropriately be a bit skeptical about that because None of the things she does align with that worldview, but she does say it. And yes, I think she's a constant liar. But does the media? They don't. They don't seem to give her any attention on when she says stuff like that. The Christian nationalism of Speaker Mike Johnson comes from Time Magazine again you know, Christian nationalism actually means something. Saying that you were founded on Judeo-Christian values is not Christian nationalism. It's not. Christian nationalism is something else, and it's something that should be discussed, but there's no indication that Mike Johnson believes that. None of the things that he's on record saying indicate uh, that he wants some Christian nationalist worldview. Um, New House Speaker Mike Johnson praised 18th century values in speech. The congressman told an audience in 2013 anti-abortion event that Americans should live by 250 year old religious and moral values. Did he say that? Really? I mean, you know, this stuff is overblown, right? But can you picture him on the stage? Uh, I think we should live by 250 year old religious values. Look, that's not, first of all, religion's not supposed to change. Your faith isn't, supposed to change. It's not like politics. It's not like pop culture. You don't have an era of disco and then an era of rap. That's not how Christianity or any other religion is supposed to work. They're supposed to give you foundational principles that guide you through whatever is going on in today's world. That's how that's supposed to work. It's not supposed to constantly change. But you know, we just keep seeing these sorts of attacks. So you have the religion attacks. Then you have the, uh, he's a right-wing extremist attack. A lot of this goes back to January 6th. And it's interesting because um, the main reason why they're saying Mike Johnson was tied into January 6th or was a a central figure in the overthrowing of our democracy, the darkest day of all time democracy, you know that spiel. So why do they keep talking about him? Well, as he mentioned in that clip earlier, He's a lawyer, and he was one of the people who filed an amicus brief uh, in support of the Texas lawsuit that went forward, uh, asking some questions, uh, some pretty legitimate questions about the election and how it went forward. Now, it wasn't there's a separation here, right, a separation between you know, what Sidney Powell was saying, hey, we've got Venezuelan machines and they're changing votes. And, you know, there was all sorts of things that went on there that she has now sort of denounced on her own in this uh, current lawsuit, but also always seemed... You know, fantastical right like we saw press conferences with uh, you know with poor Rudy and he's sweating down hair dye and it was we remember all of that stuff however there are also serious constitutional questions about for example how Pennsylvania went uh, forward with their changes in the in the law they it was supposed to be the state legislature that made changes on uh, on voting rights and it was this the courts in the state that's not the way it's supposed to work now that doesn't mean Uh, you overturn elections on January 6th. And this is the key thing. This is the amicus brief. And I wanted to go back and read through this because I thought it was important to kind of understand what role Mike Johnson actually played in this. This is what it looks like here. And I want to give you, hold on this for a second because there's a couple of interesting things in there. And they talk about you know, certain very technical parts of the law But I know I'll tell you this up front. Most of this should have been challenged months beforehand. And the Trump uh, campaign, which should have been responsible for doing this, did not do it um, beforehand. He waited until after the results came in and then said, hey, wait a minute. Those changes you made months ago, uh, we don't like them. That's not the way to do it. But this lawsuit did go through. Um, and it went it did not succeed, as, as we all know. But if you look at the very bottom corner of this, remember that we're talking about January sixth here. Right. The most important thing in this entire document is what you see in the bottom right hand corner of the front page, which is December 10th, 2020, December 10th, 2020 is before December 14th, 2020. December 14th, 2020 is Safe Harbor Day. That is really the line for filing challenges against an ongoing election. If you have problems, you have a window from Election Day to Safe Harbor Day to make those arguments and succeed with those arguments. If it goes past those days, well, then it's not going to work out. And it didn't work out in 2020 for Trump. The point here is that He was filing challenges to this in a very understandable window, the window that Al Gore filed challenges and so many others have filed challenges over the year, the acceptable window to challenge elections. This is uh, basically the the media trying to convince you that he was a guy breaking windows in the halls of Congress when he was not. Uh, There's a couple quotes they keep throwing out there, but generally speaking, this is what they blame um, Mike Johnson for. And even though, you know, you in this audience might be much more friendly to uh, the January 6th arguments than MSNBC uh, is. The point is that he didn't even go to that area. What they're blaming him for is not even what they're telling you uh, he actually did. And that's an important aside. Um, We can go into that maybe a little bit uh, later in more detail. Uh, But we're getting all the headlines. Uh, Biden campaign knocks Speaker Johnson as cementing extreme MAGA takeover. Of House GOP. Um, How about this one from MSNBC? And this happens every single time. Mike Johnson isn't Jim Jordan, but he may be more dangerous. You know who the most dangerous Republican is? You might say, oh, Donald Trump. They probably think Donald Trump is. No, it's whatever Republican they're talking about. That's who the most dangerous one is every single time, no matter what is going on. If Donald Trump loses to Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or somebody else, they will tell you one of those people will be worse than Trump. That is a personal guarantee. I guarantee you will see that column in one of our top media institutions at least once. How about this, though? This is Jen Psaki as well. Now, of course, Jen Psaki was literally... The spokesperson, uh, f- the press secretary, which is now just evolved into this. I'm an all time defender of uh, the president. Um, the spokesperson. She's now got a show on MSNBC. Jen Psaki. Here she is trying to scare you about the religion of Mike Johnson.
0: I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, That's my worldview. You heard that right.
1: The Bible doesn't just inform his worldview. What? It is his worldview. What?
0: In fact, during his first speech in his new job, Johnson suggested that his election as speaker was... An act of God. <gasps> Talk about a bit of a humble brag there. Ah, Jenny
1: Saki is going to town on Mike Johnson. Can you believe she unearthed that audio where he said it? You know, in front of a camera during an interview, and said that he actually has the Bible and has a biblical worldview, which would be consistent with only seventy percent of the American people who are Christian. Like I, that's. <laughs> What is the point of going to church if you're just going to ignore all of it? I know that is the fancy left wing way to go through religious circles, but I'm pretty sure the point of it is to help your worldview, right? And like, that doesn't mean that he doesn't follow the rules of Congress and just says, well, actually, my pastor told me I don't have to do this. That's not how it works. But of course, it informs your worldview and it should be why look. Sundays are awesome. Football's on. Why the hell are you going to church if you're not going to take it at all seriously? That's the whole point of this. I mean, gosh, they had nine football games in the early window on Sunday. Church gets in the way of NFL football. If you're not going to actually have a biblical worldview, what are you doing with your time? I just don't understand it. Um, You know how many shots you could have seen of Taylor Swift in the stands? You miss you 're missing that if you 're going to church you know um, Speaker Mike Johnson is bad for women 's health and that 's good news for Dems interesting framing there I also found this framing uh, interesting this is from political I got this uh, news alert It says the fight over abortion will test whether vulnerable Democrats can turn support for abortion rights into campaign wins what a dark and like i 'm mean, listening to the framing that they can turn support for abortion rights into campaign wins. I mean, I fixed it for him. When you read it this way, I mean, if you say it turns support for dead babies into campaign wins, then it feels weird, doesn't it? It kind of I mean, it gets a little ugly when you say it that way. Uh, this, this is such a bizarre show. The week uh, the Republican Party caved to MAGA, And it surrendered America's middle to extremism. Now, it was Mike Johnson that did that. I want to make sure I understand it. It wasn't electing Donald Trump as president that that they really uh, embraced the MAGA thing. Or the fact that he leads by 30 or 40 points in all the primaries. But it was Mike Johnson's election that, that did that. Fascinating. And from the people who brought you Dark Brandon, we have this. National Democrats land on a nickname for the new House Speaker, MAGA Mike. I mean, you wanna talk about creativity. Maga Mike, uh, this is from Politico as well. Um, Just fascinating. Mike Johnson uh, says he has aid for Israel, but not uh, Ukraine. uh, And that's a pressing urgent need. They're gonna scare you that he doesn't care about those poor people in Ukraine. Mike Johnson embodies two of Maga's worst qualities. Uh, You know, look, it's just hit after hit after hit. Maga Mike's house. This is from uh, Vanity Fair. And they're also trying to make him look like Mr. Anti-LGBTQQIA2+. And that is the most serious thing that can ever happen. He can't be against any of those initials, even the plus sign. Got to be for that one as well. Sexual anarchy, says Salon. New House Speaker Mike Johnson showcases the incelization of the modern GOP. We have Every conservative family has like 85 kids. We're not incels. I mean, I don't think we got to think of something else to do or, you know, I mean, but we've got we seem to be very interested in things going on in the bedroom. New Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, once wrote in support of the criminalization of gay sex. I mean, all of these things, as you might know, are completely exaggerated or completely wrong. New House Speaker conveniently can't remember his past homophobia. I When you walk up to someone on the street and say, hey, remember your past homophobia? It's shocking when they can't remember it, isn't it? Mike Johnson's wife runs counseling service that compares being gay to bestiality and incest. These are well-worn uh, attack lines that, honestly, it's hard to believe they're still going back to. Although I will say this one's a little new. Who knew this was wrong? Because like, Saturday Night Live went after Mike Johnson on the exact same issue. I find it very strange. The, here's the headline from Talking Points Memo. What's up with Speaker Mike Johnson's black son is that okay? I, to me, that seems incredibly offensive. Is there. So, he adopted a son that's, that is not the same skin color as him. Is that a big issue? I didn't think it was a big issue. Sounds like something that's great, like something you'd celebrate normally. But because this guy's bad, we're supposed to all of a sudden think that is bad? I, I don't even understand the conversation anymore. Um, the CNN piece that came out I thought was informative for, for most people, and, and this is. It's not meant as a, this is from Harry Anton, who it's, he's not, I don't think he's the type of person who's necessarily writing stuff that's attacking the GOP or supporting the GOP. He's just looking at the data. And he writes, Mike Johnson is well within the mainstream of today's GOP. And he breaks down the polls uh, that show that, look, it's generally true, right? Like Mike Johnson's opinion on abortion is not the most popular opinion on abortion in America. However, it's kind of right in the middle of the party. He represents the party. Uh, He, first of all, represents his district. But as speaker, he represents the party. And it's probably sensible to have someone in the middle of the party. No, he's not going to agree with a bunch of left-wingers on that issue, right? Like, he's going to be a conservative. He's a proud conservative on those issues. That's not something he's running from. It's what he ran as. He ran as a conservative with these views and was elected by the people of Louisiana for that. It makes sense that he would be in the middle of the party. We can go through all those polls. Maybe we'll do it later. But what's the strategy here? This is what's key with all of this. The left and the Democrats know that what they're looking at right now is is a tough situation. They you know, want to run against Donald Trump. Why? Because they want to say, Donald Trump is the worst person. Remember, you didn't like him with his orange skin and his mean tweets. Remember that guy? You don't like him. Don't vote for him. And that's kind of the basis of their... Of their entire campaign. They want to say that he's extreme. They want to say that he's bad. They want to say that he believes things you don't believe and all, all, of the, all the rest. Because they know, really, when you look at Joe Biden's record, let's be honest about it. Yes, uh, you know, he's very, very old and he's very, very senile and he's very, very, uh, look, this hasn't gone well. Can we be honest about this for a second? If you were, uh, you talk to, you know, I have some friends who are honest Democrats. They, they voted for Joe Biden. You know what they say? This hasn't gone well. Look, I wish it had gone better. I wish we didn't have inflation out of control. I wish the world wasn't on fire. I wish our border had some security. These are things, even when you agree with Democrats on policy, you have to recognize are spinning out of control right now. So they don't want to run on Biden's record. That's a guaranteed loss. What they want to do is present three or four issues they think they can win on. One of them is definitely Donald Trump or affinity with Donald Trump. They're trying to blame Mike Johnson on that. One of them is abortion rights. They think the Republicans are out of step on abortion. Some polls actually support that idea. Frankly, you know, it's, it's a right or wrong issue to me. If you, uh, if you want to play the polls with it, you can do it. We've seen some politicians attempt that. But I don't think that's the most morally defensible thing to do when you're talking about a life or death issue. That being said... It might be a successful attack. They're trying to also go after him on January 6th. What they're trying to do is take their three or four issues they think poll well for them, none of which have to do with Joe Biden's record, and place all of them inside of Mike Johnson and say, Mike Johnson's bad, the Republican party proves it. And even if we don't get Donald Trump as the nominee, we can always go back and fall back to this evil guy, Mike Johnson who honestly, when you hear him speak, is one of the top five or six most boring people in the world. But that doesn't work. You have to vilify him. You have to make him into Satan. You have to make him uh, this evil, evil person who believes these evil, evil things. If they can succeed at that, they have a chance of winning a bunch of congressional seats and maybe winning control of the House. If they fail at that, they're going to lose and they're going to get what what they deserve, which is an election based on their record. And that record is incredibly unimpressive. And if they, honestly, they run a campaign based on that record, if the focus is not about Donald Trump and not about Mike Johnson, it's about Joe Biden and what they've done over four years, they're in major, major trouble, and they know it. You may have noticed Just a little bit of inflation over the past couple of years. Prices are going up and up and up and up and up. and up. What do you do about that? Well, you need someone to give you some cash back. That would be nice, right? Upside will do that. This is a great app. If you buy gas, if you buy groceries, if you eat out, I bet you do at least a couple of those things. With Upside, you can get cash back on every purchase. I do. Uh, It's a great secret weapon for staying on track with your savings goals and fighting back against inflation. To get started, just go and uh, download the free Upside app. You can use the promo code stew there and you're going to get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon of your first tank of gas. I mean, this is free money. Why not take it? You can claim an offer for whatever you're buying on upside. uh, You can pay with as usual with your credit card. So you don't have to like go up there with your app and say, please scan my app. You just buy it with a credit card and it knows that you've been there and it will register the cash back right to you. It's uh, it's honestly, in comparison to credit card rewards, it's you're getting like three times as much with Upside. Plus, Upside doesn't sell your personal information to third parties. They know that your information is a vital part of their trusted relationship with you. So download the free Upside app and use the promo code STU to get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. An extra 25 cents back for every gallon? It's crazy. It's works. I've already collected the money. You should too. use the promo code stew with the upside app. Save money with upside. Let's bring in Dan Andros. He's a managing editor at CBN News and host of CBN's Quick Start podcast, which you can subscribe to now wherever you get your podcast. Dan, thanks for coming on the program.
2: All right. Thanks for having me. Uh,
1: You guys over at CBN have been doing a great job covering this. I know you have a lot of reporters that are in Israel. You're providing updates constantly on the YouTube page. It's been really helpful to kind of follow along the minute to minute, which seems to change constantly. Uh, Can you give us your assessment of this so far? I mean, has the ground invasion started yet? Are we in a mid range here between it not starting and it starting? What's going on?
2: Yeah, well, it has started and it's just probably a little different than I think what a lot of people in the media sort of expected. We saw this massive buildup around uh, the borders in southern Israel there along the Gaza Strip. We saw a massive buildup, hundreds of thousands of reservists and troops and tanks and and everything else you could imagine that Israel has at the ready. And so everyone kind of envisioned this just, all right, we just go in and we bulldoze it all down. And we just hundreds of thousands of people at once. And they seem to be doing it a little more uh, deliberately than that, a little more tactically than that, like a little more um, patient and deliberate and cordoning off areas and moving in and hitting the airstrikes and pummeling and just this concert of activity that's going. Uh, Not in all. I mean, they're certainly pulverizing northern Gaza there, but uh, it's it's happening slightly different than I think some people expected.
1: How much of the delay has to do with the the US? Like I, you know we've we've heard rumors that Biden wants this to slow down. Um, you know, Biden has been intermittently supportive on this. I mean, I can't say this is the worst thing I've ever seen Biden do in his presidency. He's been somewhat supportive of Israel against some of the more radical elements of his party. But but still, I, I mean, I, there's definitely seems to be an undercurrent of the U.S. trying to say, look, just slow down. You don't really need to do this right now. Are you sure you have a right plan? How much of this is the U.S. pressuring and promising with carrots and sticks to try to slow this thing down a little bit?
2: I I'm sh- I'm not surprised if there are u.s officials trying that i've certainly seen some officials indicate as much like you said they they want to wait and let's have a restrained response yada yada like you said biden's said some right things on this um i i don't think though that israel is slowing down for anyone on this i i think they are pretty determined to go in and end hamas I, i mean i think there's no there's no other thing first of all if you're a politician and you're a leader in Israel, you're you're done if you don't go and take care of this right now, because that's the mood of the country right now. We've, we're we we're done with dealing with this. And so I don't think there was any hesitation. I don't think there's any pause. I think it was more just getting the uh, plan together, because it's, if you're being honest here, this is one of the more difficult things you're going to have to deal with. It's a lot of tunnel warfare. And we saw this in World War II, when in the Pacific theater, when... Um, fleets were trying to capture islands uh, island by island as they went towards the mainland. And they would pummel for days from the ships, onto these islands, uh, you know that had you know mountains, but then they the Japanese had dug tunnels into these mountains, and so they would all just go into the mountains and then they' just endure the pummeling for days and then all just come out when when everybody got on shore. And I think it's a similar effect here where they can do all the airstrikes and they'll certainly kill um some terrorists in the process but i think it's i think it's a very difficult very very difficult operation on the other side
1: you wonder how much of this is a worry from the israelis that hey like lebanon might get involved iran might get involved these other actors in the region might get involved do you have a sense as to how how they're preparing for this p- potential eventuality
2: yeah i think there's a lot of bluster going on. You know, you hear this a lot from some of the Arab nations. We we saw this, remember, before the Iraq invasion, you know, Saddam, this is going to be the doom of you if you come in. And, you know, you had Baghdad, Bob, and all the rest promising doom and gloom if America came in. And then we went in and wiped them out in like three seconds. Um, so there's always a lot of talk on that front. But I don't – I think it's probably mostly just that at that point, if, I, if I'm guessing. Like, never say never. But I think – Israel is probably looking at that, maybe essentially calling the bluff and saying, "Okay, well, we're going in and we're doing this because we have to do this and we're not going to just back down uh, because of that threat. Now, I think the United States has to thread that needle a little bit because, I mean, we've seen how Biden has released sanctions on Iran. So I think the United States probably has to worry about threading that needle where the support is more than perhaps even Israel does, because I think Israel's course is sort of. I mean, they're bent on the direction they're going.
1: Hmm. You uh, spent time in Israel covering this, this exact back and forth. I mean, this is years ago now, but you saw the the very germs of all of this activity starting uh, when you were there, uh, back when you were here at the Blaze. And it's fascinating to look back at that time because a lot of the stuff they were talking about then is the same stuff that wound up happening on October 7th.
2: Absolutely, 100%. This was... I was over there with uh, our colleague, Jason Buttrell, and we were chronicling and reporting on Trump moving the U.S. embassy into Jerusalem. Now, there were massive protests at the Gaza border there in, in uh, southern Israel, and there were tens of thousands of people out there. And remember, the news cycle at that time was Israel's gunning down innocent, hapless Palestinian protesters who just want you know for, to free Palestine. Well, the IDF was showing us this propaganda from online that um, Hamas was putting out and, and these you know, posters and saying what they want to do to Israel, showing, hey, if we get through the fence on this day, then we're going to go into Israel's towns and we're going to kill civilians. I mean, they're saying what they're going to do and they're showing us this and saying, look, this is why when they're over there blowing up the fence and trying to get through, we have to shoot them. We're gonna we tell them that you you can't do that, or we're going to shoot you. And then the media turns and responds and blames it all on Israel. Now, it turns out, sadly, we had to see this for it to be proven true, But it turns out everything they were saying was one hundred percent correct, and they were one hundred percent justified in it. They got through the border, they got over it this time, clearly with help from Iran or somewhere else and somewhere else. And then they went in and did exactly what those pamphlets said. I saw those pamphlets, and they threatened these things, and you'd think, ah, well, maybe Israel's is just exaggerating. Maybe it's just a couple crazies. No, we saw it. That's exactly what they wanted to do, and they did it. It really is amazing that they knew about
1: this the whole time. And at some level, you wonder if they got— comfortable with that idea that, you know, we're never never going to do a full assault. Uh, you know, we can live side by side with these people. They gave them their autonomy. They gave them their rights to elect a government and they elected Hamas. And that still didn't stop them as they still left the, uh, you know, left the occupation of, of, of their own country, which I'm not exactly sure how you Occupy your home country. that's a that's a whole other story. Um, but we're seeing now this rise of real anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and and you know you think, I don't know, like I I was operating under the idea that of course there were pockets of anti-Semitism. we knew it was real in the in the Arab world, certainly in the Palestinian territories. when you look at the polls, it's it's terrifying. but like I I got to say, I didn't think we'd be seeing 100,000 people in London gathering uh, to uh, to say how bad the Jews are. I, I, what year is this? I, I can't even comprehend how this is happening. Are you at all surprised by the extent of the anti-Semitism around the globe?
2: Yes and no. I mean, there's always going to be I mean, like look, looking from a, a biblical lens. There are always going to be people that hate God's people and hate God's holy land. So on that hand, I kind of expect it. But it is shocking to see, especially from a society that claims to um, be champions for the oppressed. Israel, I mean, there's there's 16 million or so Jews in the world today and 2 billion Muslims. So it's like, we're, which group is oppressed here? And what, there's we, we've seen all the threats from Iran and they want to wipe them off the face of the earth. So um, it's it's kind of ironic on the one hand to me that They're they're even out there championing like the supposed oppressed people. But Israel, clearly, has there been anyone more oppressed than the Jews in in recent modern history? And it is shocking. I thought you'd see a few crazies, but you're seeing it over and over and over again. And still, I don't know if you saw this, but Hillary Clinton, you mentioned Biden saying some good things like even far left politicians like Hillary Clinton is out there going, nah, ceasefire, you're an idiot if you if you want a ceasefire. That just helps Hamas. And Hamas isn't going to, they're just going to regather and then go attack again. So, and you have Hillary nah. Clinton saying that, but then these people are out here chanting and it's just, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. It really is. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course this leads me to the media, which has been doing... This type of thing
1: for a very long time. but It seems to be getting worse. I mean, we had this situation where we were told about 500 dead in this hospital bombing, which, you know, on its face, like you can't trust a Hamas spokesperson to tell you anything factual from this region. Obviously, no. we all know that. Um, but then it gets to the point that we've now found that all of these media sources. Um, and this is according uh, to a guy who works for like The New Yorker and The Atlantic, like a, a respected reporter who went back and tried to find the source of this claim that 500 were dead and realized it was actually a mistranslation of a comment from the Hamas reporter uh, or a spokesperson. I mean, this is a, over and over and over again, we're seeing this. It's just a you know media malfeasance on a scale I don't know that we've ever even contemplated before.
2: Well, and Stu, I, I want to get your take here on this, on what you think the percentage chance is that it's from the media unlike like the hospital story, for example. I mean, that's just one of a million, right? Mm-hmm. Because we work in the media, you know, when we're at the blaze, you know, the, it's a 10th it's of the size of the New York Times, right, they have zillions of editors. How how many hands do headlines go through before they make it to print and make it online? A, a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And I felt like we've always been more responsible than them with the mis- amount of mistakes that they make. So my question for you is, what are the odds that it's either just Laziness, like they see someone else report it, and so then they just repeat it. Um, or is it uh, ignorance? They just don't know any better. Or is it uh, they don't care and they intentionally want to mislead?
0: Mm, where, where
2: do you where do you put the percentages?
1: I feel like certainly there's some. Uh, Fringe levels of incompetence, but if these people you know these are trained You know people who can do the job if they really want to I think I think it's that It's there they want to believe it so badly it plays into their picture of what the world is So much that I think that's a 75 80 percent of it. It's it's like yeah. they just and they the automatically believe yeah They automatically believe yeah. this because they already think it's true So when something comes in and just furthers their current worldview you know, they, they don't bother putting it through the rigmarole to actually fact check it.
2: Is that kind of <laughs> how you you're see right. it as well? I think you're right. Because remember, we worked at CNN and like they were sticklers on the facts, like they and which oh. was fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were going to grill you on things. and It got irritating at times because they wouldn't believe things that they never looked at. And they'd be like, what about this? Where did you get this? And look, that's a good practice to go through, as annoying as it was. But you get the sense that I, did all those people get fired? Where Mm -hmm. did they go? Where did the fact-checking department go? How does someone go, wait a minute, not one person said, uh, guys, that number is just from Hamas. Maybe we ought to (laughs) slow it
1: down a little bit. Yeah, it's funny, too, uh, when you're thinking about those days at CNN, we did specials like we're skeptical of things like global warming over there God yeah. only knows how we got any of those things on the air and they che- they <laughs> tried to fact-check those and push back on us occasionally but we got we never got more fa- uh, pushback from the fact-checking department than we did when we would say things that were pro-israel in this in this uh, back and forth it, that was the thing they pushed back on most of all even more than the things you'd think of uh, abortion and climate change and all these typically mm-hmm. uh, divisive issues uh, Dan Andros managing editor at CBN News if you you're not uh, following their YouTube channel, you got to do that because they have all sorts of. I mean, it seems like da- it's a daily update, Stan. I mean, you're, you guys are there yeah. talking about this all the time.
2: Well, we have a bureau in Jerusalem there, headed up by the bureau chief, Chris Mitchell. So they're doing daily reports. And we also have Chuck Holton, who's on the ground there, oh. reporter for CBN, war correspondent and George uh, Thomas there as well. And they're just providing live streams throughout the day.
1: Awesome. Yeah, Chuck's great as well. Uh, CBN's Quick Start Podcast. Also, you can get the updates in the morning uh, with Dan on the podcast. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the program. All right, thanks. If you've ever bought or sold a home, you know, there's a part of it's just kind of exciting, right? Like you're getting into a new area, you know, you're selling your home. Like maybe you can get a little bit over asking in a market like this. And, you know, that's certainly something that's exciting. But uh, the upsides also come the downsides. And if you mess up, if you screw up a transaction like this, if you have the wrong real estate agent that guides you to the wrong price. I've had that happen to me before where I was like, I don't know, I think we can get this for it and the real estate agent's like oh, i think that's too high that's too high uh, lower it by 20000 and i don't know like then you wind up getting more than even what i wanted to to uh, to ask for it you got to have someone who knows the market, who knows the area, who knows how to do this, and it's got to be someone you can trust. That's why realestateagentsitrust.com exists. It pairs you up with the best agent in your town. Whether you're buying a home or selling a home, whether it's an area you've lived for a million years, or it's uh, you know a new place you're moving, realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a free service to you. The name kind of says it all. realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, you may or may not know this, but you and I are the proud parents of 800 children. Screw you, Nick Cannon. We're going after your record. Yes, it's the 800th episode today of the program you're currently... Wow, look at that. (laughs) It's kind of pathetic confetti for... 800 episodes, but 800 episodes of Stu America. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out and tuning in. Who, who, are, who would have ever thought we'd make it to 800 episodes? It seems impossible. Why haven't they canceled the show yet? We'll never, ever know, but it could be coming any day. Uh, we do appreciate you hanging around and, of course, subscribing uh, to the podcast. The podcast has been doing very, very well, and the YouTube channel is doing very, very well. So thank you so much for hanging out and spending your time uh, with us for 800 episodes. Back with more in a second. As a person with, you know 800 uh, children, you better make sure you have medications on hand. Uh, I mean, even for just for the headaches because that's a lot. Uh, Jace Daily can make sure you do have the medications you need on hand. Why? Well, they have a prescription service uh, that supplies you with up to 12 months of a supply of backup uh, medication for your prescriptions in case of an emergency. This covers kind of a lot of medications. If you take cholesterol medication every day and all of a sudden you can't take it anymore because supply chains dry up, it would be great if you had a few months, maybe a year, uh, you know, backup. Plus fewer trips to the... uh, to the pharmacy, which is nice. Um, you also have, uh, you know, if you're, you've got diabetes, heart health, uh, blood pressure, mental health, whatever your, the issue is, they can walk you uh, through how to get this medication to you. Your order is reviewed by a certified healthcare professional and delivered right to your door. Uh, check this out from Jace Medical. Uh, they also have the Jace Case, which is great for antibiotics to supply you in case of a need or travel. Uh, and Jace Daily for your everyday medications. JaceMedical.com is a place to go to find out about all this stuff. Uh, Uh, Enter the code Stu at checkout. You'll get a discount on your order. The promo code is Stu at jasemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com. Mike Pence is out, and that's not a huge surprise. I will say, you know, look, it's easy to take a victory lap on Mike Pence. Uh, You know, he's not a great candidate. He was a vice president of the United States, though. And, uh, you know, it's like the Masters. You win the Masters, you get the green jacket. You can always come back and play at the Masters. If you're vice president of the United States, it's kind of hard to say you have no right to be in a primary. Uh, He just was never going to win. He's not like Doug Burgum, who has no chance of winning because he's not, you know, no one knows who he is. Mike Pence has an argument on paper to be in the primary. It just never connected, and he's not a very good ca- candidate. So he is out. He wants to uh, solidify report, uh, support ar- among one of the other candidates. We'll see who that is. Um, and then Trump, however, did get a new poll out. This is from Selzer in Iowa, kind of one of the most respected pollsters out there when it comes to mainstream pollsters. Um, the results are relatively interesting. My, uh, Donald Trump at 43%, about what he was at beforehand. Um, Ron DeSantis at 16 and second but tied with him Nikki Haley at 16 percent now Haley had had some good results in New Hampshire this is the by far the best result I've seen for her in Iowa Uh, Tim Scott is next at 7 percent Vivek and Chris Christie at 4 Doug Bergamentum at 3 percent no one really else had uh, showed up so Pence is out Trump still has a clear path to the presidency, but Haley's attempting to make a run. It's gonna be interesting to see this Haley, DeSantis, uh, two main candidates at the next debate, which is next week. We'll have more details as we get closer. You know, I heard other shows, Glenn's and Pat's had this code where you could save 36 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. I'm like, where's my code? I need a code. My listeners need a code. And now you have one. Yes, blazetv.com slash stew. Code stew plus. Yes, the code stew plus will get you $36 off of an annual subscription to Blaze TV. If you watch the show on YouTube, we love you. If you're listening in a podcast or on Pluto, maybe... We still love you, of course, but if you can subscribe to Blaze TV, it helps us do these investigations that we're doing all the time, and it helps support the cause. We do appreciate it. BlazeTV.com slash Stu, the code StuPlus.